Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis. I hope everybody got a chance to check out yesterday's episode with my really one of my favorite people to talk to about sports, Madeline Hartley. She is currently enrolled at Kansas. Kansas won the men's NCAA tournament last week. So got to kind of do a blow-by-blow account of Maddie's experience of what it was like to be on campus at Allen Fieldhouse when the Jayhawks won their national title, talk a little bit about what the basketball culture is like on campus, why people in the student section bow at Bill Self, the coach's feet, when he comes out of the tunnel at every single home game, and a lot of interesting stuff that you don't really get to see beyond the surface level when you watch a regular season college basketball game on TV. So that was a really fun talk. Always good to highlight some of my friends who are in sports media, get to talk about their experiences. Today's show... We're shooting the shit about baseball with my friend Chris Schweitzer, one of my favorite people on the planet to talk about baseball with. Chris and I always, every single time we are hanging out, we're on Xbox, we're always talking about baseball. We are two old dudes who would call in the WFAN if it was 20 years ago and FAN was still good at what they do. But nonetheless, when you grow up in the New York metropolitan area, you are inundated with baseball, even though... The NFL moves the needle more. New York is still a baseball town. And the Yankees and Mets tried the conversation. And that's kind of still stuck with me even now at 25 years old. I still kind of view the sports world through the lens of baseball because so much of the New York media is centrified. centrified. Yeah, I'm making up a word. Centered, excuse me, is the word I was looking for. Centered around baseball. So really good talk today with Chris. We go all the way around we hit a bunch of different topics broadly we hit on both the yankees and the mets we got to do the locals a bunch of different teams around baseball that have caught our eye during the first week of the season it's a good time it the first week of baseball season is always very fun it's very exciting to get the season underway man we were worried about the lockout lingering season starting late that season started more or less week and a half late not terribly out of pocket like was possible really fun episode for you guys but before i get to today's show with chris i do have to remind everyone to please help support the upper bowl gm podcast so number one please subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts whether it be apple podcast spotify soundcloud google play stitcher all the major podcasting platforms this show is available there numero dos if you are subscribed to the show on apple Podcasts or spotify please leave the show a review if you're on apple Podcasts, you've hit that subscribe button in the top right corner of every on our show's homepage. you scroll down you go past our recent four or five episodes underneath that you're going to find a but uh, five clear purple stars you're going to hit the one furthest to the right got ahead of myself there in the read underneath that those five stars there's going to be a button with purple letters that says write a review If you are so inclined to support the show, please leave a few words. Reviews are very, very, very helpful for podcasts. Reviews, engagement, that stuff helps the show be more easy for other people to find. And if you're in a charitable mood, throw Chris's show, The Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer, a follow on social media. The HRR Sports Report is what you're going to search on the podcasting platform. Subscribe to it there. Leave Chris a review as well. I always say it on every episode, and I feel obligated to say it again. Support your content creators, folks. A lot of us are out here trying to make informative, engaging content that makes you 
not just entertained, but a better sports fan. That's the end goal here for this show, is giving you more perspectives to help you make, make you a more well-rounded fan. Now, with all of that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Chris, and we're going to talk about some baseball. And with that, I am very happy to welcome back to the show my good friend, host of the Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. How are we doing, Chris? Doing pretty good. Have me back pretty quick, so I'm 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 happy to be here. I I need I have too many baseball thoughts. Okay, the the, <laughs> the first week of the baseball season is just so much fun because you get to check in on pretty much every single team, especially because they like to throw a lot of day baseball at you, so you actually get a chance to check in with pretty much every team. Like in the since opening day last week, I'm pretty sure I've watched all 30 major league baseball teams for at least two or three innings in the last week. Yeah, I'm trying to like yeah exactly. I'm trying to spread my time around. Make sure check in on my fantasy players. Make sure they're doing okay. Check in everywhere else. Any game that like catches my eye or any any player, I'm like, I like to see him getting that bat or I like to see him throw a couple innings, pop in. It's really nice. It really is. I, I that's one thing that baseball has unlocked that the other sports just won't ever do because their seasons aren't as long. But day baseball is the best, man. Like on a Wednesday, like you're supposed to be doing things, but you just get to check in on the score or listen on the radio or watch on TV. Just day baseball, impeccable vibes. That's how you really know summer's here when day baseball is on in the background while you're supposed to be doing something. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things people love about March Madness is like, yeah, there's just, there's just basketball on all day. <laughs> and like, that's pretty much the whole baseball season. So yeah. I'm kind of, it's a little weird that baseball doesn't like stick more, but you know, yeah, it, it's awesome. Yeah, just any any time of day, like right after, right after lunch, I could just turn on a baseball game any day of the week. There I was watching the Mariners play the worst infield defense I've maybe ever seen this morning. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I know spring training was short this year, but that was embarrassing, bro. That was four pop-ups in the infield in three innings. They dropped. <laughs> that wind that wind was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it was that was what, what Jason Benetti was saying. He was like, that's the new White Sox offense. Just hit it into the vortex. <laughs> and just let the wind take care of it. It was insane. That's some, su- some Super Mario baseball type shit. Just hit it yeah, up li- and the wind <laughs> takes it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was, in the last week, what team have you had the most fun watching? Um, I liked watching the White Sox. I am a okay. little biased because I have a handful of their their uh, their their players on my fantasy team. I have Somehow I managed to get their entire outfield. <laughs> I have Eloy, Luis Robert, and Andrew Vaughn. I don't know how I managed to do that. And I have Giolito. Um, so I like watching the White Sox. And they're just a fun team to watch. I mean, those guys yeah. are all just great players. So, and then Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, you know, those guys are just, the team's fun to watch. Um, I've been watching a lot of Angels games. I don't know why I yeah. watch a lot of Angels games, but I've been watching a lot of Angels games. So, I mean, maybe it's because they got like, well, they got Noah and Loop, two former Mets, and of course, Trout and Otani, obviously. But, I mean, yeah, I'm having fun watching those two teams. I I don't know why. Like right now, I got the Angels game on. I just I I, do I always seem to I always seem to gravitate towards like one of those two games is the White Sox game or or the Angels game. You know, whichever I'm feeling like that night. The Angels are one. I wrote down two teams. The Angels are one of the two teams, and it's funny because 
they've been pretty like ass the first week. They have one guy hitting above 280 in their lineup right now, and it's not Trout or Otani. None of their regular starters who've started more than half of their games. Granted, I know it's only been a week, but they're winning on pitching, which, you know, is the antithesis of everything the Angels stand for. The Angels have always been the we'll throw anybody with an arm on the mound and try and win every game seven to five. And they've been okay winning on pitching and I know we were talking about it the other day with Trevor because our friend Trevor's an Angels fan but the pitching has been decent for them the starting pitching yes the starting pitching was good the the bullpen's been shaky (laughs) outside of loop's been fantastic yeah uh and then Iglesias has been good um but outside of that like I think Tapera gave up two bombs in his first appearance of the year um who was that Archie Bradley who's got like a nine ERA right now I mean, they like the rest of that bullpen is a little shaky, but you know they got like their starters are getting them to through six, and then loop goes like loop goes an inning and a half. They get one guy to get an out or two, and then it's Iglesias for the ninth. And if they that's the formula they're gonna go with, I mean they're gonna win a lot of games with that formula, but they gotta find something else out with the rest of that bullpen and, and hope hope that their starting starters like stay you know consistent because Noah looked great, San Patrick Sandoval looked pretty nasty. Um, I like Reed Detmers. He's okay. He's pretty young, but you know, they got, they got some arms over it, over in, uh, in Anaheim. How do you feel about Noah not being on the Mets anymore? Cause I've been going back and forth on this for a while myself. It's still weird. Like, yeah, I didn't, I, I would have put money on it at like the beginning of the off season. I would have put money on Noah staying. I thought yeah. there was no way he was leaving New York. I didn't think he wanted to leave New York. And even when he even when he rejected the qualifying offer, it's like, hey, he wants a little bit more money. He could probably get more money. He could probably get like twenty to, to like twenty two million out of the Mets for for one year. Like I figured he could do that, and I was like, yeah, sure, it's perfectly reasonable for him to want that. And sure, the Mets could pay it, so why not? I just I had, didn't see any scenario in which he was going to leave the Mets. Um, I mean, I'm you know he looks he looked good in Anaheim. You know, he looked good for the Angels in his first start, so I'm happy for him. But I'm just it's very weird seeing him not in a Mets jersey. I'm always going to wonder what could have been with him because I feel like if he had an actual pitching coach at some point in his career, he could have actually been one of the best pitchers in baseball as opposed to just being what he is now, which is like a three in a rotation. Yeah, he he definitely has the stuff to be like an ace. And he, I mean, he shows it at times. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think, I mean, it was a little weird to see him pitch the other day when he started. It was really good, but even then he was pitching the contact. He was like a ground ball pitcher and it worked. I mean, it, there's no, there's no problem with that. It's just like, he's always been this guy who has nasty stuff and he overpowers you and he, he'll throw flat fastballs by you. And, and, you know, he got this, this disgusting slider that he can mix in there every once in a while. And that was the guy he was and he got a bunch of strikeouts, but I mean, I guess this is the way he's going now because I think even we, we began to saw that at the end of his Mets career was that he kind of, after all the injuries he had, he kind of lost the ability to just blow guys away with his fastball. Like his, when he was young, his fastball was a put out pitch. Like he got yeah. the guys two strikes and just like, and it had more movement back. when he was younger. It had a little that more too, life. Yeah. On it. Yeah. Yeah. But like he used to, that used to be a strikeout pitch. Like he could get guys two strike counts and just rear back and just throw it. And guys wouldn't be able to catch up with it. Like that's what it was. And then he tried to keep doing that. It didn't really work. And then, you know, I guess, I mean, you know, if that's what he's got to do to keep his career going, it's very smart. And I'm, you know, it's, it's good that he's like, you know, learning, 
exactly it's good that he's learning and like he's adapting he's not just gonna be like oh i'm just gonna i'm gonna be the same guy i was in 2016 and just blow everybody away because then he's gonna end up out of the game if he keeps doing that so you know like i said i'm 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 happy for him that he's doing well i'm just very shocked that he's not a met it's very weird it's weird to think that the peak of his career was like the third season of his career was starting the wild card game against the giants like that's probably the best he's ever going to be oh yeah i mean he went toe-to-toe with prime bumgardner like (laughs) With, with in a playoff game. Year, yeah, in a play with Bumgardner, even year against the Giants in a playoff game. And he went toe to toe with them and was yeah. damn near like he like literally blow for blow. I think it what they the Giants won that game one nothing on like a yep. what was that like Steven Duggar or whatever, whoever the hell I didn't even remember if that was the it was guy. the St. John's like, guy. It, it was, was some same- ran, it was some random dude hit yeah. a solo home run in like the seventh inning off off of uh off of Syndergaard, and that was the only that was the only run of the game. And like I remember, yeah. Granderson made that insane catch. Yeah, he crashed into the center field wall. Granderson made like thirty five year old Curtis Granderson playing center field. Uh, the Mets never cared for defense in their existence. Uh, the other team I wrote down that wasn't the Angels is the Blue Jays. I feel like that's the very obvious answer, but anytime Vlad Guerrero Jr. has a bat in his hands, I want to see it. Just flat out, I want to see what he does anytime he's at the plate. I mean, we saw it last night. That was a a show, Le- legitimately like a home run derby esque performance in a regular season game. Yeah, that was that was he was he was ridiculous. He was all over Garrett Cole. Cole had no answer for him, and I mean, like, what can you do? Like, <laughs> he literally tipped his cap to him because what can <laughs> you do? There was four for four with three home runs and a double. Like, what do you what are you gonna do? Like, I think they were like Cole did a good job to make sure they were like, two two of them were solo blasts, and then the other one was a two run homer. So like. I mean, he limited as much as he could. He made sure nobody else was on base when Vlad hit it 450 feet. But, you know, I mean, Vlad, yeah, Vlad is just insane. He is ridiculous. I mean, the one photographer, I forget if it was the post or the Daily News who got the still picture of how inside the pitch was that he got around on to still hit the home run on it. It was a 98-mile-an-hour fastball that was off of the plate inside, and he still managed to get the barrel of the bat, too. That's just next-level hitting shit. Like, there are very few people on the planet Earth who are able to get around on that pitch inside, and Vlad is still, relatively speaking, a kid in baseball. Yeah, I mean, he he really is. This is, what, his third year in the league. He's very young, even for being, you know, three years in the league. And yeah, like it's it's just crazy. Like ima- imagine what he he would be like if he was a couple inches taller and was like had like a really good workout routine. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 insane. Like he he is ridiculous. He might be the best player in baseball at the end of the year. And yeah, like you said, he's three years in into into professional baseball. It's crazy. I still think about that anecdote, how the first year he was up with the Blue Jays, they were trying to play him at third base, and he's like, I've never exercised, I've never lifted a weight in my life, I can, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. be fine. And then he came back the next spring training, he's like, yeah, I worked out in the offseason. And then he almost <laughs> won the Triple Crown last year after yeah. working out for a couple months. He, he he ran his way through the minor leagues, <laughs> hitting like three 350, you know, with like a 600 slugging, and he just, he just it was just ability. It was just God-given yeah. talent. Like that's all he had to do to get to that point. He just he just had to be you know born the son of a Hall of Famer, and then he was just running through the minor leagues like it was like it was easy. And then yeah, then he's like gets me. Uh, this is a little hard. Let me work out a little bit. And then he, <laughs> and then he you know any other year he would have won MVP last season if we didn't have Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? So. I- 
and crazy. that's a good point. You brought it up last week that basically no matter what Otani does, unless he does better than he did last year, he's not winning MVP again. And the way Aguero's come out of the gate here, I mean, there was already kind of a a preseason ex- expectation that Vlad was going to be the front runner this year. So yeah. unless Otani like has a Cy Young caliber season while also hitting 40 home runs, it kind of seems like Vlad is just going to steamroll because he's come out of the gate hot. I mean, you think about the Blue Jays game on opening day against the Rangers where they were down 7 nothing after an inning because Berrios got obliterated. And I was kind of like, I'm not turning this off just yet. The Blue Jays lineup, they'll, they'll make it a 3-4 run game and then, you know, they can swing for the fences and get their way back in. And they got back in that game by the sixth inning. That lineup is crazy. It it really, I mean, that whole series was just it was it was nuts. Like I think I think Texas had scored like they had scored the most runs in baseball after the yeah. after the first weekend of the of the of the season, and they their run differential was only like plus three because that that series was just everybody was just scoring it on a whim. It was ridiculous. There was no pitching in that that Texas Toronto series. Opening it up a little bit more outside of that, I don't know if this is just me and the games I've watched, but to you, does it seem like the hitters are ahead of the pitchers so far? Because that's usually the opposite. Usually when we come to the start of the season, the pitchers are a little bit ahead of the hitters because they just don't have the reps. But right now, it kind of seems like the pitchers are all kind of out of whack right now. Like, we've seen legitimately good pitchers struggle. Cor- Corbin Burns was not very good on opening day. Woodruff has been bad in all three of his starts so far. He's been better today. Cole hasn't been very good. Do you think that the pitchers are having a harder time because spring training was shorter? Or do you think this is just me anecdotal based on the games I've watched? No, I, I think, I think there's some, there's some reason to that. I mean, I really like the Mets starters have been great every night yeah. out. Um, but I mean, you're right. Like you said, like Corbin Burns awful in his first start, he was good in his last start, but I mean, he was against the Orioles. So like, you know, um, I mean, Scherzer's been, been Scherzer's been yeah eh. he's been shaky like he's he's yeah. able to get through it just because he's a psychopath, um but like he's he's been shaky like there was a moment in the Phillies game the other day where we were like yeah. legit worried because he walked the bases loaded in the first <laughs> inning like he doesn't walk guys and then he's walking the bases loaded in the first inning and it's like he well, he's like this Phillies not going to punish him and like I said he got through it because he's a maniac but even then you know. It, he's a little shaky to start, and he—I think he's the only guy who had was ramped up to a full workload by the end of yeah. the band of spring training again because he's a psychopath. Um, so you know, I—I I, I think there's certainly something to that. Like Barrios is not as bad as what he's been his first two. Starts. Darvish too. I just thought Darvish, of him because I looked oh, over Dar- to the left oh. and saw the Padres screen. He yeah, might actually he, be cooked. He might he actually might. be. He was. He was like I, I, Garrett Cole gets all the shtick for being a, a spider tech merchant. You Darvish is actually bad. <laughs> I think you Darvish is he's actually cooked. Like he used le- the legit sticky stuff merchant, you Darvish. Um, you know, he 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 just doesn't seem to have it. Um I, yeah, yeah, he, he was doing batting over- practice yesterday to the Giants. Like I had I that mean, on yeah, in the background. Like, I was looking over here. Them. I was looking to the right, and then I turned back over and the Giants had the bases loaded and there was nobody out. And that was the first inning. It just Maybe he really might be. I mean, his ERA was six after June when they started the crackdown last year. So he might actually be done. I mean, Darvish is old now. He's been in the league a lot longer than I thought he had. That when I was watching the broadcast, they said it was his 11th season in baseball, and just like, God damn, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And he came over from Japan, so he wasn't like wasn't like he was 22 when he when yeah. he made his debut. You know, he was a little bit older. You know what I mean? Like Bryce Harper's been in in, in the majors for like 11 years, but. 
he also he was 20. Hold up. He was, yeah, he was 20 years old as a rookie. So, you know what I mean? He, he's, he's, he's still fairly young, you know, relatively speaking. Um, but yeah, you know, like Darvish, Darvish, yeah, he, he's getting up there in age and you know, the, yeah, the, the sticky stuff, it's, I think it's, it's certainly affecting him more than probably anybody else in, in the league. Our boy Rodon was cooking on his first start. Oh, 12 K's and in five innings. Insane. The Giants that, cheating lab is up and running. <laughs> Let is, me just say it is undefeated. That Giants cheating lab. They got Rodon, twelve Ks in five innings. They got Alex Cobb throwing ninety six out of nowhere. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. This Discafani's got like a sub three five ERA. Like it doesn't. I I want whatever the Giants like. Steve Cohen said he wants to be the Dodgers of the East. I, we should be the Giants of the, just get the cheating like whatever they're doing. Figure it out and get him. Like, I mean, we got McGill kind of doing it, but that's it. Yeah, we got to get David Peterson in the cheating lab. I think <laughs> six foot six. He should be. He should be throwing like Kershaw curveballs. Speaking of Kershaw, that got the the boomers uh, very <laughs> upset yesterday. All of the old people were calling in the FAN very upset. <laughs> I didn't even mean to segue to that, but yeah, I mean that was. That's a good way to know. segue to that. So go ahead. I, yeah, I, uh, it's I, the st- you can't. You, he's coming off of an elbow issue. You cannot yeah. fuck around with your number three starter coming off yeah. of a bad elbow when you expect to win the World Series when you're already kind of a pitcher short in your rotation. Exactly. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is like they don't have the Dodgers don't have the pitching depth that they've had the last few years. Like yeah. ba- Bauer is, you know, there even if this baseball gone. lets him he's come gone. back, they're not going to play him. Yeah, he's gone. I think Dustin May's out for the year, right? Um, David Price, he's like, I mean, it's it's what it's Bueller, it's it's Urias and Kershaw, Kershaw, Gonsolin. yeah, and they got yeah, they got Tony Gonsolin as like their number four. Like they don't have the the pitching depth that they used to have, so they need Kershaw to be to be healthy the whole year. And like you said, he's had, he's had injury problems and it's the first game, it's his first start of the season. Like, what's the point? Yeah. I get it. Like it was only 80 pitches. It's a little rough. I think maybe they could have let him go one more start. Like Dave Roberts is notorious for <laughs> pulling guys early and like really slowly ramping them up to begin the season. So like, maybe he could have let him go another inning and just see, you know what I mean? But I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think it was the wrong move. Um, yeah, no, I was just, it's just unfortunate. I want, what's it called? I was watching Dan Patrick this morning and he had Johnny bench on and Johnny bench just kept going. We do remember Johan Santana, right? We do remember Johan Santana, right? And that's Johnny bench who played baseball 50 years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, he got the no hitter, but he was never the same pitcher. His arm was legit cooked after that. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's Yeah. I mean, what he threw like 145 pitches. (laughs) He had the Nolan Ryan game. He had a yeah, Nolan Ryan I, start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like the perfect point. It's like Johan, Johan's arm was destroyed after that. Fight. And like he, thankfully he got, he got the no hitter. Cause like if he yeah. didn't and his arm was cooked, that would just like awful. But yeah, I mean, his, his arm was toast after that game. Okay. It's time for five minutes about the Yankees. They are very upset over there on that side of the internet that they have a catcher and a shortstop who are both hitting under 100. They yeah. are very upset. I like Higgy, but I think I think Higgy, I think he has the thing that a lot of we see with a lot of catchers where they're better when they're like used sporadically, and then they get overexposed, and then they're not 
as good. Like, look at McCann. McCann was great for two years in a row in Chicago because he was playing off of Grandal. Yeah. He played whenever Grandal was like needed a day of rest, or you know, he'd DH every once in a while. You know, like if you know, if if whoever else they had, like if Encarnacion or whatever needed, you know, was was not hitting that day, whatever. And then in that role, he was great. And then the Mets sign him, and he's playing every day, or you know, not every day, obviously he's a catcher, but he's playing the majority of the games. And then all of a sudden, he's just not as good anymore. Like I think, yeah. I think that happens with a lot of catchers; they get overexposed. It's probably going to happen with Tomas Nito. Like I love yeah. Tomas Nito right now, but once they give it, like I mean, obviously Alvarez is coming up. But like if Nito goes on to another another team, you know, once once McCann's gone and Alvarez is up, and he's playing every day, he's probably not going to look as good. But I think yeah. that just happens with catchers sometimes. Sometimes they get overexposed. That's probably what's happened with Higashioka. So they probably need another catcher that they can you know realistically play every day over him. Or not every day, but again, you get what I'm saying. So I don't know. I think I IKF. I don't know. I th- I think I think it's just. I think even though Jeter's been gone for how many years now, it's still it's still a daunting task to fill in yeah. a shortstop for the Yankees. No matter how long it's been since Jeter's gone, like it's never going to be easy. And you know, it's it, that just is it is what it is. It's a real rock in a hard place because they just can't put Glaber back there. They just can't do it. No, it's you just, can't. You can't do it. Yeah, and like I, Falefa hasn't even been that great defensively yet, and no. that's mainly what you got him for. Like you could yeah. live with like a two ten average at you know in nine hole if he's playing great defense at short, but he hasn't even been doing that really lately. So like he's really he's really biting him in the ass. But you know it's early; it's only been a week. I'm sure, he's gonna the bat's gonna come around a little bit. You know he'll probably you know he'll probably figure it out defensively too. I, I'm not super worried about him. I think the probably Higashioka is probably gonna be a little more worried about because like I said, I I think being the main catcher now he might get overexposed but you know what i mean it's still early um yeah. rizzo's hitting the crap out of the ball yes. so they got that at least going from rizzo rizzo has been great i mean they i don't know where they'd be right now if, if rizzo wasn't on fire stanton you know he keeps getting into some he's coming up short every once in a while but you know they're, they're, they're still they're still in it they're over 500 they're winning games that's you know that's that's the gist of it they're so entertaining to watch through the lens. Like I watch the Yankees through the lens of like, if I'm going to the zoo, because I just get to watch the Yankee fans react to the Yankees because they're on, they're usually playing at the same time as the Mets. So they're on one screen opposite the Mets and at nights like tonight, they're on one of the screens because the Mets are off. And it's just, you get to watch how these things unfold and you get to see the little nits and the nooks and crannies of a season. Cause I'll be honest with you. It kind of seems like they want to burn Joey Gallo at the stake. It really does kind of seem like that already. And it's been a week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like Joey Gallo's, he's a good bit. He's a good player, but like, I just didn't know. Like, obviously as a, as a, as a, like a, a general manager, you can't run a team thinking, yeah. what are the fans going to think of this? But, like, I just don't know what Cashman thought the fans were going to think of Joey Gallo. Because, like, it's not like Joey Gallo got traded to the Yankees and he fell off a cliff and he turned into this, like, low average, high strikeout guy who hits who hits some bombs. Like, this is exactly what Joey Gallo's been. Like, one season, Joey Gallo hit over 250. But every other year, he's the he's a low 200 average, but he gets on base a ton. He hits a, he hits a bunch of home runs. So his OPS looks good. He Like you said, he hits, like, 35, 40 bombs. And he plays good defense. That's always what he's been. And like, yeah. that is, that's a good player, but like, 
not to not to like i don't know not to like completely agree with all like the yeah like the 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 gabagool yankee fans are like oh we need i want to see station to station hitting instead of all these home runs like they probably did need a guy who you know has a little more has a little more um consistently put in the bats you know you know putting the ball in play you know what i mean like that probably was the smarter move for them in that situation. So I don't know, like obviously Gallo's is a good player. He's going to get on the hot trick at some point and hit, hit, you know, 10 home runs in 20 games and they're going to love him for a little bit. But I mean, this is what, what he is right now is what he's always been. Exactly what he's yeah. going to be all the time. He's, he's just, you know, and you, you gotta, you gotta live with the, you gotta live with the bumps because he's going to, he's going to have, he's going to have good moments, but yeah, like this is just, this is what he is. So love him or hate him. There's no change in Joey Gallo. <laughs> What do you make of Cashman putting Aaron Judge out? Because the Yankees are usually pretty under, keep everything in-house, try not to do things like that. But that was kind of out of character for the Yankees to just come out and be like, we made him a fair offer. He said no. Yeah, I, that was, I mean, it's shocking too, because teams just don't really do that. Like, if they expect him to stay, I like, obviously, Aaron Judge is probably a little pissed off about that, about him just yeah. saying, like, hey, we gave him a good offer. Like, he just didn't want to accept it. And, like, I said it on my show the other day, like a lot of times teams will like make an offer and they, they say it's a good offer, but it's really not like, like the Astros offered Correa a contract with the average money he wanted, but like he wanted 10 years. They gave him five. They knew he wasn't going to accept that because it was like in November, like they, they knew he was going to say no to that, but they offered it so they could be, they could tell their friends like, Hey, look, we gave Correa a boatload of money. He just didn't want to come back. And like they never expected him to sign it. They didn't want him to sign it. They were perfectly fine moving on. It's just, you know, they had to do something to like for PR. That's not what this is. Cause like the Yankees, that was actually a good, a good offer that they, they gave judge. And like, I don't know who else is going to give him that offer. Like there's only what four or five teams. I think that could, that would realistically be able to afford that contract and, or willing to pay it. And I mean, what I, I like, I don't know if the Mets are going to do it. You know, like I think they're gonna wait for Soto or Devers, one of those two, because yeah, those are more yeah. of those are better players, just flat out. I would rather have Rafi Devers. And Rafi Devers is younger. Rafi Devers is only like twenty three. That's yeah, that's the thing. Like Judge Judge is old. He's got he's he's been healthy the last couple of years, but he he does there is a in, there is a history of injuries, and you're always a little more worried about guys that are that big, you know, and yeah. getting up there in age. Um, you know what I mean, and like. I don't know. Like you can find outfielders elsewhere. I like, and then the Dodgers, I don't think the Dodgers, I mean, I was thinking maybe the Dodgers cause Bellinger's going to be off the books and then yeah. who else do they have in that outfield besides Mookie, which would be a sick outfield with Mookie and judge, but maybe the Dodgers and then the angels, like they have the money, but they got a, they got a young outfield and Trout. Yeah. So like, I don't, I like, I don't know who, who I think that's the best offer he's going to get is seven years, 30 and 30.5 million per year. Like, I don't know who else is going to give him that money. So, you know, and I think he's it the face like, of the Yankees, which is like, exactly. you know, that's a big deal. He's one of the most recognizable figures in all of baseball. And the Yankees have yeah. built him up. They have made him the face of the team. They've made him the heir apparent to the Jeter years, the Jeter legacy of the, the face of the team. And that's valuable. He's been on, I think, was he on the cover of MLB The Show? He's been on he a few was, commercials. Yeah. Like they, he's a brand. He's an identity. That's the that yeah. should be your goal here when you're trying to maximize your value. Like, sure, maybe some dumb team, like maybe the Marlins, say, "Fuck it, we're ready to compete and we're gonna open." Miami might be a nice place to live. 
you're not gonna have the same opportunities you do if you're the face of the Yankees, if you're the face yeah. of the Marlins. And like they invested in him pretty early. Like yeah. he got the they got the judges chambers in Yankee Stadium and what like his second season. Yeah. Like I know he he almost won MVP his rookie year. He probably should have yeah. won MVP his rookie year. But like with guys that you know that young, you never really know. Like yeah. he could have just as easily fell off a cliff after he could have like, been Greg Bird season. Exactly. Like he could have <laughs> just as easily fell off a cliff after after a great rookie year. And then like what do they do with the judges' chambers? And they just get rid of it after another season when he hits like if he hit like 220 and he was awful again. Like it just does like they they were like all in on him very early on, and like you said, it's the freaking Yankees. Like everybody knows the Yankees. Everybody around the world knows the Yankees, whether they know the Yankees or not. The people they know the hat. Stuff. They Everybody, know the exactly. hat. They know the hat exactly, and like he is the guy in the hat. Yeah. Like he's the guy when you when you look at the Yankees, you think of Aaron Judge, and the fans all love him too. Yeah. Like it's not even like he's one of these guys where like some fans like him, some fans hate him, like. Like Stanton, or I mean, most fans hate Joey Gallo, but like, I don't know any Yankees fans that are like, yeah, I don't really like that Aaron Judge guy. Like, I wouldn't mind yeah. him leaving. Like, they all want him back. Everybody loves Aaron Judge, so I don't know. It's it's very shocking. It's very shocking that he he didn't want to he didn't want to stay, or he didn't he didn't it accept adds, that offer. It adds all the more interest because a lot of this Yankees team is very kind of flimsy year to year because you never know what you're gonna get and. You know, Cashman, he could just walk away. I mean, he's been on that job 20-plus years now. At some point, somebody else is going to have to reassemble a team, and they have $60 million tied up in just Stanton and Cole until 2030. So that's, you know, that's a third of your budget based on what most teams work at. So that's not an easy team to put together, nor is it going to be easy going forward. I mean, if they were willing to offer that much to judge and have $90 million tied up in three guys for the next seven years, that's a really serious commitment. So that makes this season for them all the more interesting because if he walks, the Yankees are kind of fucked from a team building perspective. Yeah, he might just pull a Sean Payton and just like <laughs> get him like get him like way over the luxury tax and be like, ah, well, all right, that was it. I'm I'm gonna take a break. Maybe I'm I'll be gonna back go work in the commissioner's years, office. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go work at yeah, a major with major league with the what's his face, Rob Manfred. I know. Like it's it's like you said. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess to clean up once once he's gone, especially if they if they are managed they do manage to to keep to keep Judge because. A lot of money in, in a, just a couple of guys. Okay, before we talk about the Mets, I do want to touch on one thing. I do think it's very telling that the most viral moment baseball has had in the last two years is Sean Murphy getting hit in the ass. That yeah, I know that is. <laughs> I mean, like you know, good on MLB for like you know trying recognizing to recognizing like, a moment <laughs> exactly and like making the best out of it. It is very funny though. Like Ariel has sent me multiple videos of on TikTok of Sean Murphy's ass. And she's like, what the hell is this? Why is the, the official major league baseball TikTok posting a, a video of some guy getting hit in the ass? <laughs> it's very Speaking funny. Of shitty the, defense, bro. Did you see the raise today? That was some little league type raise. shit. Somebody hit a ground ball up the middle. The two, the center fielder and the left fielder converge. The center fielder missed it and it rolled all the way to the wall. And the guy scored an inside the park home run because they just missed a routine ground ball right oh. up the middle. You know, it's funny because I when I when I when I got off of work, I checked my phone, looked at the MLB app, and I saw that the the A's were beating the 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 Rays, and I was like, oh, look at the Athletics! Like, 
when it went in the baseball game, he's a pretty good team. Interesting. And like the first highlight video is Christian Pache's little league home run. Yeah. I was like, huh? I wonder, like, I guess it was just, you know, like I figured it was inside the parker, obviously. And like, maybe there was like a throwing error or whatever. That's funny though. Jesus. God, bro. How, I, what the A's did to that lineup should be illegal. What the, they have Billy McKinney hitting second. Yeah, that they, lineup they, should be illegal. That yeah, that was that was that that was one of the worst opening day lineups I've ever seen. Billy McKinney, Billy McKinney hitting second. That was tough. Poor Sean Murphy, bro. Him, Pache. That's really it. Like, and yeah. Tony Kemp and, isn't and bad. Montas. That's a ama- yeah, and Frankie. Yeah, but Tony yeah. Kemp's a fine major league baseball player, but God, that's just depressing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I I can't imagine what it's like going into a season. Uh, as a player on a team like that, like you just be like, well, like nobody, like we're not going to win. Like the, like, our, our ownership doesn't think we're going to win. We're not going to win. They traded everybody away. Like what are like, I don't know. That's gotta be tough to like get ready to, to get pumped and play for, but they're doing good. I think they're, I think they're four and three right now. So the A's they're, are legit. The A's are legitimately the Indians from Major League. They traded away everybody, <laughs> and they want to be bad so they can move the team. Literally, the plot of Major League is what <laughs> the A's are right now. They want the the president of the team was arguing on Twitter the other day with fans who were like, "Spend money." Well, if we move to Las Vegas, we'll spend money. But you could have spent money, and more people would have went to the games now. Yeah. But if we spend money in Las Vegas, more people will come to our games then. But you could have just kept Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, and people would have come to the games now. Yeah. Like, what are we doing, man? It's a, it's never a good look. Or like, who was it? Was it the CEO of the Reds who was on ar- arguing? Who was like, "We'll just move the team from Cincinnati if you don't want think we're doing a good job." Yeah. Okay, yo, bro. Then hilarious. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was but... like, I, he was like, "Oh, you want us to sell the team? Well, whoever buys it is just going to leave Cincinnati. So be careful what you wish for." <laughs> it's like you just traded Jesse Winker. In a salary dump. Like, what are you talking? Why are you getting pissed at the fans? <laughs> Legitimately, the people who run baseball teams sound like 19th century Monopoly guys. Like, the people who would run the railroad companies back in the day. You don't like it? Take someone else's railroad type shit. Like, what the yeah. fuck, man? It's yeah. a baseball team. This is supposed to be a civic thing. You're, yeah. you're supposed to be part of the community. You're a team. That, yeah. <laughs> that's gotten lost in, especially baseball, because there are so many of these teams that just have no interest in winning. Yeah, you know, exactly. Poor Cabrian Hayes, bro. He was about to sign that contract and got his wrist broken. That's tough. That's I think, tough. I think he, I think they made it official. I, oh, I don't God. know what I don't know what Pittsburgh's doing. They're they're they got the Braves. <laughs> Alex Antopoulos is negotiating the Pirates contracts. So what they get Reynolds for? Like eight million dollars a year yeah. for two years. Like I know it's arbitration years, but I mean, come on, the guy is much better than that. Yeah. Jesus, I don't know. I don't know. I like. I don't. I don't get what's going on with these te- these like these these players that just signed for no money. Like you, he's th- Brian Reynolds can make so much more than what he's gonna yeah. make in those that two those two years with Pittsburgh. I doesn't make any sense to me. Some of these are horrendous. Like I saw a ro- Luis Robert makes like eleven million dollars a year. Like what the fuck was his agent doing? Yeah. What is going? Acuna that makes was... like twenty million a year. What the yeah. fuck is going on? Robert was one of the guys that got it before he ever debuted. Like he was, yeah. he was, he got the contract before he ever, before he ever played in the major league. So like he kind of, if he wanted the money, he kind of had to go cheap. So, and you know, like some of these guys, they just, they got to do it. Like yeah. some of these guys, I get it. Cause like they got families, they don't come from a lot. So like yeah. they, they kind of just take what they got to get, but like Brian Hayes, 
His yeah. dad was a baseball player. Yeah. I'm sure he's, he could have played it out. He could have. I'm sure it he's out. fine. I'm sure. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. But even then, even then, still like Luis Robert could have gotten more. Ronald Acuna could have gotten more. Ozzy Albies could have gotten more. Their agents definitely screwed them over, without a doubt. Okay. It's time for ten minutes about the Mets. Okay. So it's gonna be our fears about. Minutes, but yeah. <laughs> our fears about the bullpen were very right. You and I both said they were at least one arm short, and yeah. I really don't trust anybody other than Drew Smith and Edwin Diaz right now. That's really where I'm at. It's wild that Drew Smith is the second best reliever on this team right now. It's, yeah. I mean, Drew Smith, that's not anything against him because he's looked great. But it just, if at the beginning, you know, two weeks ago, if you said Drew Smith is going to be the second best relief pitcher on this Mets, this Mets roster, you'd be like, you would, you would, you'd be, you'd be scared. I would have assumed somebody was already hurt if you told me yeah. that. Because, yeah. I mean, He's. I don't think he's ever thrown more than fifty innings in a major league season. I'm trying to look that up right now. They like, used him. They used hurt. him very sporadically, and yeah, and he gets hurt. Yeah, he's been hurt he's... consistently his entire career. Like he's started and stopped seasons like five, six times. I mean, he's been. He's got. Let's see, eighty career major league innings, including this year. That's all he's got, 80 total innings. And the first time he got called up was 2018. He only pitched 28 innings, seven in the pandemic year, 40 last year, and three this year. That's all he's got. And that's who the Mets are hinging their seventh and eighth inning on right now because Trevor May, not very good so far, but May is one of those very streaky relievers. And Lugo, man, I don't know what the fuck happened to Seth Lugo in the last year and a half. Yeah, Lugo. I I think he's cooked. He's I don't know. I I don't know what's wrong with him. He's looked awful. I mean, he used to be. He was like at one point he was, he was the best reliever on the Mets. He was he was shut down every time you went in the game. You were like, all right, this is gonna be an easy inning. And now it's you're holding your breath every time he he, he gets up there. Like he's just he does not look comfortable. He doesn't look good. He struggles to throw strikes. Uh, it's I don't know. It's it's like the curveball still got a lot of movement, but that's really the only thing he's got going for him right now is yeah. like is some some pitching ninja videos with his with his insane curveball. That's about it. I I have to think there the Mets saw something in Jolie Rodriguez's profile that they liked, but I still don't understand that trade. I Castro is better against lefties than Jolie was against lefties the last two yeah. seasons. I just yeah. abstractly, I do not understand it unless Buck was like, I need a lefty. That's really the only way you can make this argument, really, because yeah. unless there's something proprietary, like in the underlying numbers that the public doesn't see. I mean, Jolie's been horrendous. Yeah, aside he's from like, opening, he's like the first start, aside from his first appearance where he got through clean. He's throwing batting practice. I mean, the home yeah. run he gave to, up to Rio Muto was a curveball belt high. I, I just that's not a major league caliber pitch. Yeah, and then like he got used the other day, and brought brought him in with two outs to face Schwarber, and he got Schwarber out. Yeah. Granted, everybody got Schwarber out in this last series. He didn't get a hit, surprisingly. Um, but then he puts him out for the start the next inning against Rio Muto. Who gave the home run to the, the last time he pitched against him? He walks him, and then it's like, all right, well, he's even him in so he can get through Harper also. But then he walks Harper, and it's like, so he's not even getting the lefties out really. Like yeah. he was in, he was he was in there to get Schwarber and Harper out, and he only got Schwarber out, and then he walked Ramuto in between those two also. So like, it was it was just a, it was a disaster. It was a disaster appearance for him. Thankfully, Pete had five RBIs 
that day. So like the league got built up. So when Adovito came in and like allowed a couple of Joey's runners to score, it wasn't the end of the world. But he just he doesn't look good. And like Castro, like you said, Castro had better numbers against lefties. Um, and then the the cherry on top that makes it all the much worse is that even though they traded for him, they could have just signed him like two months yeah. prior. He was a free agent, Joey. He was a free agent, and there was a number of other lefty relievers that were free agents also. They could have just brought back Loop, but he signed early. So if you wanted to wait, they could have signed Chafin. They could have signed Jake Diekman. They could have signed Joelle. There was plenty of lefty arms they could have signed out there. Um, and they got a – you know, Chasen Shreve's been okay also. He's been yeah. decent enough. So, like, they got a decent lefty on too. It just that, – that trade made zero sense, like, at any point. And they also could have traded for Taylor Rodgers. Yeah. Like, if all it took to get Taylor Rodgers out of the Twins was Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan – I think the Mets probably – I think Minnesota probably would have taken, like, like one of Dom or JD and, like, a prospect or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they probably would have done that for Taylor Rogers if they, if they wanted to move him. And I would have been perfectly happy with that. And he was – he's a great lefty arm, Taylor Rogers. And then they just – they did none of that. And they ended up trading Castro, one of their better relievers, for, for a lefty that is not very good. So, I, I think I, we I, need I, – There's no understanding that trade. I think Mets fans need to like seriously consider burning Brody Van Wagner at the stake for signing Adrian Gonzalez in 2018, because that's the reason Dom Smith is going to never be an everyday major league baseball player because they have stopped and started Dom too many times to the point now where he's never going to be consistent enough to be an everyday player. He's fine as a platoon bat, but they really fucked up Dom's trajectory. Just horrendously bad. He's tough to platoon too, because I think, Career wise, his splits. yeah, his numbers are better splits. against lefties. So like, you're yeah. not like you want you ideally want to play play him against the the pitchers he's better against. But then that's also what JD Davis is better at hitting. Yeah. So like, a D- JD Davis is the only righty that's vying for that DH spot. I mean, like Pete is technically too, but like, assuming that DH spot is for the most part, it's between Dom Cano and JD, like. Like yeah, like JD. I mean, JD is gonna get pretty much most of the bats against the lefties, and then when it's a righty, he has to fight with Cano, and he's got to spend time with yeah. Cano. He's just he just there's no there's no spot for Dom, and like I like Dom. I don't want them to get rid of him, but I, there's really there's no spot for Dom Smith on this team, and like yeah. he's he's the odd man out, unfortunately. And you know, even though the the Paddock trade wasn't the right move, I think they got to try to find a trade for him because, like you said, there's just. There's no spot for him on this team right now. He's the odd man out, and he he if if he ever if he's ever gonna have a successful career, it's not gonna be with the Mets, like you said, just stopping and starting him all the time. He never got he never had a real season of development. I mean, his best season was the 50 game pandemic season, and you know, like we like we say when we talk about that, that's a third of a season. Guys have good thirds of a season even if they have a bad year. So it's kind of hard to take that at a full value. So frustrating man the, whenever the mets have these blue chip guys who are just tearing up the minors and they get up here they either get never really get a full chance to live up to their potential like dom or there are people like Ahmed rosario who have flashes of being a pretty good player but never really put it all together all of the mets guys who they've developed in-house are more or less i don't want to say tweeners are just weird but like nimmo yeah Degrom, weird fluky kind of outlier type the Mets yeah. really got to iron out there. We drafted a guy. We're going to bring him along slow. 
And then once we're ready for him to come up, we're going to give him a real chance to make an impact as opposed to what they've done the last five or six years. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, really, like you said, they really haven't, like, I think Pete's the only top guy that they really yeah. brought through and has, like, really become a star. Like you said, Nimmo's good, but yeah. Nimmo isn't, like, a superstar baseball player. He's a very good player, but he's, like, he's a niche player. Like, he does, yeah. he gets on base a lot, and that's it. Like, he plays some decent defense, but he's not a guy who's going to, like, who's ever going to like really wow you with his, with his stats with, you know, with any, with any, you know, with any crazy, crazy feats that he does. Um, it's really the only guy they have like that is Pete. And yeah. that's really it. But like you said, you know, they have a ton, they have a ton of top picks that just don't pan out or, you know what I mean? They just, they just never become like what they're supposed to be. They never reach their full potential. Um, I mean, even really look at Kalanick, you know, it, yeah. it sucks to say, but he's been, he's been pretty crappy. So far. he did a home run today, but he's been pretty crappy so far in his, in his major league career. And, you know, even though he didn't have a lot of time in the Mets minor system for him to, for them to develop him, it's just, you know, they, 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 there's something, there's something about them where they just can't, they can't get, like you said, kid, they can't get guys to that very next level to reaching their full potential. I'm very happy. We were both on the nose about Bassett last week. That was the like the last thing we talked about on the episode, and we were both. That was the one thing we were confident about the Mets this season was going to be that Bassett was just going to be fun because the Mets never have consistency in the middle of the rotation. To, so yeah. to have a high end number three starter is going to be a very pleasant change of pace. Yeah, I, every time I see him, I love the guy. Every time I see, yeah. him, I just like him more. Like when he was coaching up McGill the other night. Yeah, that was that was friggin' awesome. Like every time I see Bassett, I. I'm I'm like this guy. He just gets better and better in my eyes. It's awesome. I want him. I already want him to sign long term. I'm pumped yeah. for Chris Bassett. I gotta say, most of the decisions. I mean, granted, it's been a week, but Marcana's killing it. Marte's been awesome. Escobar's been awesome. They're yeah. really, you know, you see the vision. You see yeah. the vision for what they were trying to do, especially if they can get that middle of the order figured out because they're still. I don't like batting Cano third or fourth. I just don't on principle. But if they figure out the right mix, they have a very potent lineup. Yeah, like I think if you watched the Mets last year and you've watched them so far this year, even the small sample size, you could tell there's a difference in the lineup and the di- it's very obvious what the difference is. And it's like you said, it's Canna, it's Escobar, and it's Marte. They, they just they – know, they know how to operate in a bat – in, in a certain situation. And when, when they get up and it's a big spot, they know how to put the ball in play, make productive outs at the very least, or, you know, get hits like Marte, his numbers aren't even that great right now, but he's had a couple big hits. He's, he's great on the bases. I mean, scored, like you said, the other day, we scored from first on Pete's double. He was flying, you know, he, he's been great. Escobar, same thing. He is like such, such a, a good bat behind Pete in that order. He, he is so solid in that spot. It's great to have, especially great to like sandwich Pete between two switch hitters who are like great hitters in, in Lindor and Escobar. It's so good. And then yeah, Canna's, Canna's just been on fire. He's like, like you said, all three of those guys have been great so far there. It's very easy to see the difference in this Mets lineup and that those guys are, are the main reason for it. I mean, you think about it abstractly, like, yeah, Conforto had a shitty season, but you're replacing his at bats with, either Marte or Canna, depending on who you want to say. You're replacing J.D. Davis at third with Escobar's at-bats. You just, it's, you're replacing the Kevin PR at-bats with J.D. Davis now. You really yeah. start to see the, 
having major league baseball players and your on your line in your roster be important. Like I know it sounds very dumb to say, but it's not a punt now when the seven, eight, nine in the Mets lineup is up. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you, you can, you can, those guys can get up and you'll be like, all right, maybe they can get like, maybe they can get something going, get something started. Like they're so hitting the top Canada seventh. Like I know. Canada yeah, can like, get that's, on base whenever. That's a, that's a deep lineup. Like Gary yeah. Keith and Ron talked about that multiple times. It's like, when you get a lineup where Mark Canna's hitting seventh for you, that's a deep lineup. Like that's, that's a yeah. good lineup. And that's a lineup like, that could score you a lot of runs. If they just, if they get, if they get cooking, like that can work. That can work. And then even after that, usually it's McNeil hitting eighth. Yeah. And he's he's looked pretty good so far. You know, I don't yeah. want to say I, I know I said he was I said he was back. I was texting you. I said he's fully back. I, I don't want to say he's not back, but he's looking better. I'm encouraged yes. by what I've seen out of McNeil. And if you get anything close to what he was a couple of years ago in the eight hole, I mean, Jesus, like McCann will, McCann will just be the pitcher of of the of the batting or the lineup. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. Whatever McCann gives you is a plus. But yeah, having having Canna and McNeil hitting seven eight, that is that is great. That that is a great spot for a lineup to be in. Okay, last thing before we get out of here and we go about our Thursday nights probably getting on MLB the show. How realistic it what do you expect from Tyler McGill? Because we're in the uncharted waters here, kind of, with somebody who's doing something they've never done before on a team where they're kind of, you know, not exactly known for making players into being better. What do we expect from McGill the rest of the way? I mean, I was looking at his baseball savant and like his velocity is up a little bit. He's got a little more movement on his off speed stuff, but nothing like, you know, I mean, is two miles an hour on his fastball that big of a difference? I mean, you know, it, it made a big difference for the Grom and like, I don't, yeah. it, the, the, obviously the comparisons are all there to compare <laughs> him to the Grom. It's not, you know, like, I think they, I think they debuted at the same, like same exact age down to the day. It was their major league debuts, um, and like they're guys that came out of nowhere, but were pitching good in the minors and came up and had success right away. And then now in his second year, he's adding velocity to all his pitches. So like, there's, there, there's a lot of similarities there. It's not fair to him to compare him to the Grom because Grom, you know, is is one of the best pitchers ever. It's like it's not fair to do that to him, but. Um, and it's not fair to assume he's going to continue on the trajectory like that. But I think I think he's a good pitcher. Like I yeah. think he does, and I think I think it's kind of corny, but like one of the things they kept saying in the pregame show the other day about like what what Buck and um, and Hefner kept saying about him is that he has a low he has a low heart rate, like he's just yeah. very calm, and like I think that's really important. Like the fact that he had to start opening day yeah. on like two days notice, and he pitched the gem, like even though it's against the Nationals, like that's that takes that takes some guts, and he did it. And, you know, in it got me fired years. up when he struck out Soto. It got me very yeah. fired up. Oh when he my! Struck yeah, out he Soto. went. He went ninety-seven upstairs on Juan Soto. I was like, this dude's got some fucking balls. And he go. fell behind. It was three zero, yeah. and he worked his way back in and struck him out with a high fastball. And was like, Juan Soto, you might be the best hitter in the entire world right now. I'm throwing ninety-seven at the letters right past you, and he he did it. And I was like, this guy. This guy is awesome. I love him. He is great. Like I said, I don't know if he's going to beat the Grom, but I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's going to be very good. I think they, he's somebody that they can rely on as the season goes on. I think maybe maybe we might see another regression towards the end of the season if the fatigue comes up again because yeah. last year that's what really I think settled in for him was that like he had pitched more innings last year than he had like the last three years combined. Same thing they have with Taiwan Walker. Um, so like – 
that's probably going to be an issue again this year. Um, you, you might see the fatigue creep in a little bit, probably a little later on in the season. Um, but you know, like if if the rest of these guys, if the Walker comes back after a couple rehab starts and Carrasco is able to pitch well, and the rest of these guys are able to stay healthy, and we get maybe we get the Grom back at some point, maybe you can go to a six man, make sure all these guys are getting like proper rest, and then keep these guys fresh later on in the year. And maybe he don't, we don't see the fatigue, but it's asking for a lot. I know, but I I do like McGill. I think McGill's got it. I really I I really think he does. Um, like I said, I, I'm not, I don't want to put him on the ground level, say he's going to be that, because that's very lofty standards. But I do think he's a really, really good pitcher, and I think he's got it. Chris, you on for the $1 Carrasco bet on Saturday? Um, Is that who started on Saturday? Yes. Why, how do we, how do we always manage to go to Carrasco games? Especially how with days do- off mixed in too. Like, I, just- I don't, it doesn't make any, we went to like four Carrasco starts last year. He only pitched half the season, and we we made like four of his starts. I don't. It seems like every start we go to, it's a crap. I mean, it, he he looked okay the other night, and it's the Diamondback, so hopefully. But I'm on for the one dollar Carrasco home run bet in the first inning. It it's hey, gonna man. happen. It's just it, it makes things interesting. It keeps it things lively. It does. I'll try to get that some extra a- singles. Maybe we can keep those going throughout the day. <laughs> that's a good idea actually that's and it's weird because he did settle in fine after he gave up that home run and you don't even need a lot out of him but if he can give you five innings that's all you really need if you can just get five innings three runs or less that's all you need from your number four starter that's yeah. it we don't we're not asking the moon from him he the guy he was five six years ago where he was you know the number two in cleveland's rotation that guy's gone he's old now uh, he's not ever going to be what he was but if he can salvage you know a number four starter role for himself i won't complain i, I i'm not asking for the moon here yeah it's, we it's had not, michael waka in that spot two years ago yeah waka <laughs> waka and porcella porcella was yeah. like the number two starter i mean yeah like we're not, yeah, you said we're not asking for a lot. Just give us, you know, give give five, you know, five, maybe six innings on a good day of like one or two run ball. Get to the bullpen. Hopefully the bats, you know, are, are a little alive that day. And that's that's all you need. Like he doesn't he doesn't have to be exactly he doesn't have to be like the number two guy behind Kluber like he was in Cleveland for all those years. Just keep the game in within reach for the offense. And that's all that's all you need out of Carrasco right now. That, that's it. All right, who's on the no bet list? Who's not respecting money right now, Chris? In baseball, the Phillies. I hate the Phillies. <laughs> not even because I'm an idiot and I keep betting them. Unless they scored, unless they scored four runs. They, nope, they're losing four to one right now against Miami. So they're over. Is it Alcantara I, I, pitching or is it Pablo? Yeah, I know. No, it's 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 Sandy. I shouldn't have bet the team total over, but it was three and a half. That's low. That is low. It's three. And a half. You get to the bullpen. You get some bullpen. Yeah, who's who? Who's pitching right now? Oh, I don't know who Oker is, but he's on the mound for Philly right now. Schwarber's up with a runner on first. I don't know. It the game's not over. It's top of the seventh, but so far the Phillies are not respecting my money. They haven't come close to doing it. If they don't, if they don't, if they don't score more than three three and a half runs tonight, I'm I'm not betting them for at least a week. And then I don't know what I'm gonna bet on because. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look into it some more. But that's really all I bet tonight. And then, like, I did like a one dollar home run parlay, just you know, just for fun. The Mets got to beat the Phillies, bro. That's what the that's the reason the Mets haven't gone to the playoffs the last three seasons is because they've lost the season series to the Phillies the last three seasons. That's, that's what yeah, it's gonna you, come down to. You gotta beat your division. I mean, that's why the Yankees didn't make 
didn't win the division last year because they were like they were like ten and eight against the Orioles, and the Rays yeah. were like seventeen and one against the <laughs> Orioles. Like that's the difference. There yeah. really is that. And then a couple of years ago, when the Yankees won a hundred games because they won, I don't think they lost to the Orioles the whole year. That that was when like Glaber hit like. 50 home, home runs, runs on the year i guess yeah, Baltimore, yeah yeah like you got to beat up on the teams in your division especially the bad teams and like i'm not calling the phillies like baltimore but like the mets got to beat up washington they got to beat up miami and they got to at least win the season series against philly yeah. like they got to at least win like 12 games against philly this year and if they do that there's no reason they shouldn't win this division that's what it Those- comes down to though those four or five wins against the Phillies that have swung the Phillies way the last three seasons are the reason the Mets haven't made the playoffs the last three years. Like just yeah, speaking purely yeah. math wise, like not even just results for the whole season, injuries, whatever. It's the five game, six game swing against the Phillies. That's the difference. Yeah, they gotta yeah, and- take care of business because the Phillies are very top heavy. Two, one, two good starters, one okay reliever. That's all their bullpen is, and that's all their staff is. They are a soft team, and we saw it. The Mets hung an eight spot on them on Wednesday. They are yeah. a team. They, the Mets will have opportunities to be good this year beyond playing the Phillies. If the Mets miss the playoffs, it will be because they fucked up against the Phillies. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good like that. That is that is their barometer. If they do good yeah. against the Phillies, they're in. If they do bad against the Phillies, they're out. That that's really all there is to it. All right, Chris. Before I get you out of here, plug the show. Anything else you're cooking up? Uh, the sports report with Christopher Schweitzer. You've probably heard it a bunch of times, but it's a podcast. Um, I, I'm I'm live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on HudsonOverRadio.com. But if you can't tune in on, if you're too busy on Wednesday night, perfectly fine. It's on all podcast streaming platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Spreaker. Um, you can uh also follow the show on social media at HRR Sports Report. Um, I post whenever shows go live. You can find my personal Twitter account on there as well. I'm not going to say it on here. Not that I don't want you to follow it. It's just my last name's very, it's got a weird spelling and I'm not expecting anyone to know how to spell Schweitzer. Um, so just go to at HRR sports report. And then any, any one of the tweets is going to have my, my, my personal Twitter account in the tweet. So go follow me that way. Um, and yeah, download the show, listen to it, follow me, tweet about the Mets, some, some other sports sometimes. That's I think that's it. So thank you for having me on the show once again, Nick. It's always a good time talking baseball. Bro, we could do four hours of this. Like we literally, all I wrote down was four baseball teams. I wrote down no statistics or records or anything. Just we could do four hours of this pretty easily. Just baseball is the best like that. Very easily, very easily. Just talk for hours about baseball. I mean, we're probably going to talk about baseball tonight or tomorrow on Xbox too. Just not even yeah. on a podcast, but we're just going to talk about baseball because we like talking about baseball. We will be at the Met game on Saturday and spending most of the game probably talking about other baseball teams. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes, we'll be checking out the out-of-town scoreboard. (laughs) All right, that will just about do it for today's show. I hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday. The content's coming. Uh, Blogs should go up on Friday about the Rangers. Working on a video explaining those RAPM hockey charts that you see on hockey Twitter all the time. That should go up Friday or Saturday. We're doing content. Have a good weekend. I will see you guys Monday.